Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care, and with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. From CAFE and the Vox Media Podcast Network, this is Stay Tuned in Brief. I'm Preet Bharara. Today, we're going to talk about immigration. After the aggressive anti-immigrant policies of the Trump administration, President Biden entered office with the intention of restoring America as a welcoming destination for immigrants. Now he faces a divisive policy dilemma. That's because Title 42, the pandemic-era emergency measure that allowed the administration to swiftly expel migrants at the border, has now expired. My guest this week, Julia Preston, is a contributing writer at The Marshall Project. She previously covered immigration for The New York Times, where she was part of a team that won the 1998 Pulitzer Prize for reporting on drug-related corruption in Mexico. Julia Preston, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. So we have a lot to pack in here because a lot's happening. We're recording this on Thursday, May 11th, the date on which Title 42 is set to expire. First, do you expect that it will definitely expire? Definitely. And t- Okay. Well, what is, or I guess what was, Title 42? Title 42 was an order that was evoked in March of 2020 in the early days of the pandemic under a public health emergency that was put in place at that time. And Title 42 empowers border officials to immediately expel migrants who cross the border without documentation. And it's important to understand that these expulsions took place without allowing the migrants to ask for asylum, but also without any penalty and without creating any immigration record or consequence. So this was You come across the border in the morning, in the afternoon, you are expelled to Mexico. And was this a policy that was really necessitated by the pandemic, or was the pandemic a pretext to do something that the Trump administration otherwise wanted to do? Uh, The Trump administration had long made it clear that it wanted to shut down the asylum system completely. And this was a very useful tool to do that. At the time when Uh, the order was first put into place, 
the pandemic, the virus infection was actually coming from the United States into Mexico. So there was uh, even the public health authorities at the time acknowledged that there was no public health justification for the order. Of course, over time, as we know, the pandemic evolved in a horrifying fashion. And there were times when the Biden administration had to consider more closely whether it was, in fact, a good idea to continue having some kind of public health control at the border. By this time, it's pretty clear that there is no public health justification for Title 42. But when Biden came in, could he have caused Title 42 to end when he came in? And if so, why didn't he do that? He did try. Biden had denounced this policy as being uh, inhumane. And during, the, during the campaign. During the campaign. And, and when he came to office, he did say that he was going to uh, cancel fi- Title 42. And the administration kind of held off on that uh, because they saw that there were very large numbers of people who were starting to come to the border. But eventually they did try and stop and canceled Title 42. And then they got in the middle of dueling federal court decisions, a court decision from a federal court in Louisiana that said that it was illegal to cancel Title 42, and later a federal court decision from a court in Washington, D.C. that said that the whole program should and the whole order should never have been put in place in the first place. And so the way that the administration resolved that is just by continuing these expulsions without uh, stopping until last week. Could we take a step back for a second? Could you explain and describe the scope of the issue at the southern border? How many people have been coming in? What has that flow been? How has it changed over time? And where are they coming from? Yes. So this is very important because the creation of Title 42 coincided with really an unprecedented uh, surge in migration in the Western Hemisphere. We are experiencing the largest migration since World War II in the Western Hemisphere. And the people who are coming to the border, particularly in the last uh, year and a half, It's a very different population from the groups that were coming for most of the last decade. So the movements of asylum seekers started really more than a decade ago with families who were coming from Central America. And they were coming to the border. And instead of trying to uh, evade the Border Patrol, they were coming across primarily in South Texas, across the Rio Grande River, and looking for Border Patrol agents and asking for protection. So it began a whole dynamic of asylum seekers, people looking for asylum, uh, coming to the United States border. All of that pretty much stopped with the pandemic. So President Trump had a lot of fanfare about his border enforcement, but in fact, it really wasn't that effective. And the numbers kept rising until the onset of the pandemic, which stopped everyone from traveling worldwide. After the pandemic, the economic effects of the pandemic 
coincided with these disastrous conditions in several countries in Latin America that are very problematical for the United States. Cuba. So you have seen, we have seen the largest exodus from Cuba since the 1980s. Venezuela. You have 7.7 million Venezuelans who are outside of their country, who have been exiled from their country by this just catastrophic uh, administration of, of President Maduro. Haiti. You have Haiti basically a failed state, a dire conditions that we thought couldn't get worse in Haiti have continually gotten worse. And uh, Nicaragua, where you have a dictator in the making, President Ortega, who has not only not created a strong economy, but has also clamped down in all sorts of ways on his opposition and caused Nicaraguans to flee, really for the first time. So suddenly you have all these uh, people coming to the border, and that was particularly problematic for the Biden administration last year because they did not have agreements in place to be able to deport those people from those countries back to their countries. And so the mechanism of the expulsion of Title 42 became very important to try and just have some sort of minimal management at the border for people coming from those countries. So at this point, last year was a record year for the Border Patrol. We had more than 2 million encounters at the border by the Border Patrol uh, with migrants coming across the border. So you mentioned, I think, Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela, people from those countries passing through Mexico into the United States. What about people from Mexico itself? Uh, so I think this is, a, this is a detail, a very important detail about Title 42 that has been largely misunderstood, which is that migrants are very savvy. And the border now, there's an additional factor at the border, which is that smuggling Human smuggling has become an enormously profitable industry, and the Mexican narcotics cartels have by and large moved in uh, to the human smuggling business at the border. And the combination of those two things, the fact that migrants are, are very, very sensitive and savvy about what the rules are on a given day, and the fact that the smugglers were controlling the messaging – the migrants very quickly figured out that under Title 42, if you were expelled, you could go back to Mexico, wait for a day, and try again. And the first group of people who understood that were the Mexicans. So the Mexicans have been managing this border under all sorts of circumstances for 100 years. And Mexican migration had subsided, but when the Mexicans realized that they could just try again the next day. The first population that surged in terms of migration uh, under Title 42 was from Mexico. But then subsequently, you had all these other flows coming in, and it just created this situation at the border where the tools available to the Biden administration were just overwhelmed. So Title 42 expires. What will be the consequence at the border and is the administration prepared to handle that? So the administration is 
saying that they're prepared. The well, consequence- that's what administrations say. <laughs> as as but they, they have want to, to do. I, I will say that they have done a lot. The main thing that the Biden administration has done is put in place a new asylum rule. Under this rule, in order to be eligible for asylum in the United States, you have to do one of two things. You either have to use a new mobile app. So now we have DHS that's gotten into the sort of modern technology of the mobile app. You have to use this mobile app to make an appointment to go to an official port of entry. We're talking Laredo, San Diego, Brownsville, El Paso. You have to make an appointment to go to an official port of entry to ask to be admitted and to begin your asylum process. That's one choice. The other choice is that you have to show that you applied for and were denied asylum in a country that you came through on the way to the border. And that rule, that transit ban, which is, by the way, very similar to a transit ban that uh, President Trump tried to put in place, right. that is the uh, measure that is really going to impact the people who are coming to the border seeking asylum. What about the deployment of active duty troops at the border, which Biden has also announced? Um, I think those are, that's just kind of for show. I for mean, show. <laughs> I see. I mean, this is a tough enforcement regime, what they're talking about. They are reverting to the status quo before Title 42 under the regular laws governing the border. If you come across the border without papers, you are subject to expedited deportation you are taken back to your home country. It's not just an expulsion into Mexico. If you come back after you've been deported, then you are subject to criminal prosecution for reentry. And the administration is claiming, at least, that they are going to be start uh, those criminal prosecutions again. Uh, so the, it's a very it's very tough talk, and this asylum rule I think is going to have a significant impact. It remains to be seen is if they actually have the capacity to put this all into place. If they actually have enough airplanes to deport people, if they have the agreements in place. So if if there's enough border patrol agents, this is. What we're going to find out is whether they are successfully convincing migrants not to come or whether the capacities will be overwhelmed once again. I ask you a political question. Sure. Which you may or may not answer. Um, are, are Democrats susceptible to the criticism that they minimize the problem at the southern border? I don't think the Democrats are minimizing this anymore. And there's a reason for that, which is that Preet, today, there are 57,000 people calling themselves asylum seekers registered with the city of New York. There are 35,000 people in shelters in New York City today. The city of New York has taken over 103 hotels as emergency shelters for asylum seekers. There are 14,000 
migrant kids have been registered this year in New York City public schools. I just saw a letter today from uh, Senator Hickenlooper and Senator Bennett about the situation in Denver. There are 9,000 asylum seekers arriving in the city of Denver, Philadelphia, Boston. Yeah. So let me ask a basic and dumb question. Yeah. How is it possible, legal, proper, the question people have been asking, that you have this influx at the southern border, Texas and other states? How are these people ending up in New York City, in Denver and other cities very far away from any southern border? Uh, Well, some of them have ended up there because the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, who, as we all know, is a Republican, started busing uh, migrants from the Texas border, really most of them to New York, but he was sending buses all over the country. And this was kind of a political gambit. He was he was taunting the Democrats to say, this is, we've been dealing with this, now you deal with it. And in a certain way, it was effective because very large numbers of uh, these migrants, especially from the four countries that I talked about, were paroled into the country last year. There was, the, the border was so overwhelmed, the detention capacity it, there was a real danger of overcrowding in a lot of these uh, frontline border patrol stations in Eagle Pass, Texas, Del Rio, Texas, Yuma, Arizona. These are not places that have large detention facilities. And I was down there myself a couple of times last year. And just in Del Rio, Texas, there were a thousand people coming in every day. And So the authorities were just giving them notices to appear in immigration court, asking them where they wanted to go, and they were coming into the country with this temporary permission called a parole. Yeah. So that's how so many of these people have arrived in the United States. So everyone's taking it more seriously now. Final question, because we have to let you go. Many years ago when I worked in the Senate, back in 2006, there was a lot of hope about comprehensive immigration reform which would satisfy what people wanted for border security and also a path to citizenship and various other things. Is there a possibility of comprehensive immigration reform anytime in our future? No, I would say not. I, it's too, I think if we've learned anything over the last 10 years, I think there was a comprehensive reform bill that passed the Senate in 2013. It's that the issue is too big, too contentious to take it at that huge level to try and solve the whole problem. What might be possible conceivably is some kind of smaller arrangement where you have, for example, uh, you give citizenship to the young people known as dreamers, although they're not young anymore because they've been waiting so long, but you do something for the dreamers and, and for farm workers, for example. You know, you take the pieces of it. But what I will tell you is that because so many city officials now and state officials have become engaged in the immigration process because of all the uh, new arrivals in the last year, you're suddenly hearing from the governor of, of Utah, for example, who wants to find a way to get some of these people uh, through a parole program or some kind of state's level sponsorship to come to and work in the industries uh, where they have need, the dairy industry, farming. Uh, and so there is a new 
kind of ferment at that more local level and at the state level to take practical steps. And maybe that's the way of the future. Maybe it is. I hope we can do something on this issue. Julia Preston, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for all your insight. Thank you. For more analysis of legal and political issues making the headlines, become a member of the Cafe Insider. Members get access to exclusive content, including the weekly podcast I co-host with former U.S. attorney Joyce Vance. Head to cafe.com slash insider to sign up for a trial. That's cafe.com slash insider. If you like what we do, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Every positive review helps new listeners find the show. Send me your questions about news, politics, and justice. Tweet them to me at Preet Bharara with the hashtag AskPreet. Or you can call and leave me a message at 669-247-7338. That's 669-24-PREET. Or you can send an email to letters at cafe.com. Stay Tuned is presented by Cafe and the Vox Media Podcast Network. The executive producer is Tamara Sepper. The technical director is David Tatashore. The senior producer is Adam Waller. The editorial producers are Sam Ozer-Staten and Noah Azulai. The audio producer is Nat Wiener. And the CAFE team is Matthew Billy, David Kurlander, Jake Kaplan, Namata Shah, and Claudia Hernandez. Our music is by Andrew Dost. I'm your host, Preet Bharara. Stay tuned. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. (laughs) That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.